Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Liza, and uh, got a little bit of news, uh, doing uh, the responsible thing, and I've sent everyone home, and I'll be doing the podcast by myself now. No, I'm kidding, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, we are back to Zoom um, due to the the numbers, uh, the COVID numbers, and the hospitals are full and blah, blah, blah. And the fact that I know now seven vaccinated people who have all gotten sick. Uh, we're just being cautious and, and everyone's home and back to Zoom. So uh, bear with us as we do this. But let's get to who is here in the virtual zoom room with us today let's start with um basking in the redwoods it's stumpy john what's up everybody here uh here in redwood nation wishing i was in the studio with the misfits but alas we're here i know we we do have more fun when we're all together but hey we still had uh the garage and some stuff happened there so we'll talk about that uh, let's see, coming to us from his most envious garage, it's Bagel. Greetings. Um, mask up, vax up, and keep your distance, people. Yeah. All I know. the things. And let's see, it looks like somewhere in Gold, Golden Gate, near the Golden Gate Bridge. Don't jump, Jim. Don't jump. It's Naked Jim. <laughs> yes, high above Golden Gate. I'm here at the Palace of the Legion of Honor. Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm in my kitchen, but that's okay. And I got to float on a pink donut this weekend in a lake. It had sprinkles on it. Life is good. Life is good. You know, I was... California with no smoke, I think. I was giving someone a tour of San Francisco once, and we were at Fort Point, which is right under the bridge. And I was just telling her that this is one of the most popular places in the country that people jump. And somebody jumped while oh, we were damn. there. Oh, wow. Whoa. Yeah. It's a little morbid to start out the podcast. Lord have mercy. It happens. <laughs> it happens. I'm just saying. It's not the only time we've seen that, Liza, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also joining us, um, actually, we got a twofer on this one. We got Mike McCarthy and Miss Emma. <laughs> Hello, darling. Um, I'm coming to you from inside. Is this a Tacoma or a Tundra, darling? This is a Tacoma. I'm coming to you from inside the Toyota Tacoma with. Howdy, howdy, howdy. McCarthy. And um, we are in Pleasanton, California, traveling back from Napa. But the traffic is pretty gruesome, so I'm going to rename this place Unpleasanton. Please <laughs> stay. I know exactly where. How's, oh, how's McCarthy's wheel? Is it is it getting better? Is he moving around? How's McCarthy's leg? Oh, that's right, Mister BMX guy. Oh, she didn't hear us. I think <laughs> no, I didn't hear you. You know what? Jim is coming in so faint, I can barely hear him. How is uh Mike's leg broken? Broken legish. Oh, Mike's leg. Well. You can ask him. So uh, I have the stabilizing screw pulled out Thursday. Uh, so put weight on it, which means I'm able to drive finally. So I have been driving just for the sheer joy of being after two months of not driving. Still can't ride a motorcycle. 
maybe another couple of weeks and I'll be back on two wheels. Thanks for asking though. Yeah, sweet. He's lying. He's actually driving for the sheer pleasure of hanging out with Emma all day <laughs> and making extremely poor food choices. It's true. <laughs> so, um, lots been happening here this weekend. I want to talk about um, one thing that was kind of, it's not motorcycle related, but just kind of interesting. Um, Emma I, and um, Michael, I don't know if you heard, we were, um, what's the word? There, there was a uh, attacked by a swarm of BMXers. You know, I heard something on the news about these like, a thousand, ten thousand, yeah. fifteen thousand strong children yeah. on bicycles, or were they adults, or a combination? It was, it was all of the above. It was really weird. There was a a non permitted, non sanctioned ride out. It was called an event yes. that was um, wow. publicized, and they think about ten thousand BMXers showed up and were riding around the whole city. Um, but getting out of control, as you sometimes do with masses of people who just start doing whatever they want. I don't want to say all of them were bad because there were like families with little kids and people enjoying BMXs. But there were definitely scofflaws. They were like when you have like 5,000 bicyclists go by through an intersection, like it was blocking traffic. A lot of people yes. were getting stuck. So a lot of people were complaining about the traffic. But then – uh, Douglas said they went up to Costco and they were all hanging out in the parking lot and causing all sorts of problems because there were thousands of them. Mm. And down here by the beach. Eating Costco hot dogs, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, and then I heard reports that, um, and this is stuff like coming across as police scanners and stuff, that they went over to Safeway and a bunch of them were like shoplifting or looting the Safeway. Um, there were pedestrians being hit. There was a homeless guy beat up downtown who was taken to the hospital what? to get stitches. Um, and one person even reported that they surrounded her car and, and covered it with stickers that say bike life. Wow. Like, hundred, well, like very- hundreds of stickers on her car. Like they thought, <laughs> oh, this is funny. So, this sounds exactly like critical mass 10 years ago. Yeah, it's pretty pretty yeah. crazy. So it was kind of shutting down. And I have to say that I, I was careful. I didn't want to be a hypocrite because we, myself, have um, in, participated in hooligan rides in the city where uh, on motorcycles. And we'll ride on pedestrian paths and go over bridges and be kind of assholes for about an hour. And, you know, run from the cops and that. But I think we have a code where we're not damaging anything or hurting anyone. So it's just kind of weird, weird thing. So uh, maybe, yeah, next time don't, well, come, you know, don't come to Santa Cruz. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, making a protest, fine. You know, stating your case, fine. Is beating people up and defacing their property, not fine. Yeah, and definitely, again, I don't want to paint the picture of the whole thing. But I think also what happened was this organizer didn't really have a lot of things organized. So people came here and were just doing stuff, just occupying their time and just going out in masses. It was it was pretty pretty weird, pretty weird, because I kept seeing bikes. I'm like, what's going on? But, yeah, we, we were we were out-biked by BMXers. Um, 
if I could remind everybody just how dangerous bicycles are, my best friend, that guy, horribly injured himself on a bicycle. And, I'll, <laughs> and it was a BMX bike at that, and I was riding in a BMX pump track, and I'll do it again. Not injure myself, hopefully, but go back to riding BMX. Hey, Michael. Don't argue common sense like that. Michael, do me a favor. Please tell your people to behave next time. I don't own them. They don't own me. Uh, <laughs> we would ask the same question of those at Sturgis or at uh, Laughlin River Run or, you know. I see how whatever you are. Policy, so, you know. I see how you are. Um, I wanted to give a big thanks to a few people who came by the garage today. One is previous guest Reg Cottrell. You may recall author Reg. He came by and brought us six very nice uh, helmets, some brand new. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Reg. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I think three are already gone. Um, yeah. Two of them were brand new. One was a brand new racing helmet. Yeah. Like nice helmets. Super nice. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we had a couple guests come by. Um, our friend Brett up in um, from Portland, who we saw up at the one show a couple times. He and his daughter. And with his daughter, who Don't scored mind. <laughs> scored a leather jacket off of our donation rack. You know, like a Ramones leather jacket. I donated that last week. Did you? Yeah, it was oh. in my closet for some reason. I don't know, Jake or something. Oh, it yeah, must have been Jake's. Well, I told her she could have it. With one caveat that she had to wear it to school. Nice. <laughs> That's great. And she was a she was stoked. So that was cool. And then um uh John, do you remember oh you you had left already? Um Vintage Days and Bagel. Do you guys remember Leo, tall guy on a triumph? Uh yeah. Well yeah. he showed up in the garage from Boston. Oh, oh wow, nice. Leo from Boston around. showed Bummer. up just like oh. Was he the oh, cool, cool guy from Boston? Boston. And his wife, Meredith, I believe. And so all of them, I they got tours and uh, took photos. Um, Leo was stoked. I brought him here in the studio and we took a photo on the, he's like, can I get a photo on the classy girl couch with <laughs> you and Little? Oh, nice. But Emma, oh, he... Yeah, he said he hates Vincent motorcycles now because that caused Emma to not be here. (laughs) (laughs) So, Emma, you want to tell us where you've been and why? Yeah, I mean, I think it's only fair to share why, number one, I missed out on the garage today, and number two, I am coming to you from inside a Toyota Tacoma. This evening, as pleasant as it is, the the black shadow has finally gone home. Um, it is um, the repairs were completed, and it is now in the loving embrace of its owner. It was thrilled to get it back, wasn't he, Mike? Very, very thrilled. So, uh, Roy, Diane, God bless you. Enjoy your new Vincent. And what did you have to do to that bike? Oh, bloody everything! It was. You know, I try and stay away from, you know, from controversial topics, as you will know. But you know what? Screw Meekum. Meekum sell these things. And the representation and the description of them does not always match what they are. 
So Roy bought this black shadow um, last April at a very high-profile makeup auction. Paid an absolute ton of money for it, and it was described as a working bike. In fact, the auctioneer said, oh, yeah, the guys were riding it around the parking lot. That bike had not even started in at least 25 years, mm. and I had proof of it. So everything needed updating. And it was stupid things. I mean, obviously, the engine needed priming. The engine needed a great deal of work to get it operating. All the electrics were toast. All, every single surface that required grease needed dismantling this Stuff that used to be grease that now resembles Christmas cake had to come out and get cleaned and then relubricated. So really, I built the bike front to back, and the price reflected that. I mean, his bill was five figures. I was going to ask you: Can you say if this was a four, five, or six-figure bike? Oh, uh, this is a—it's a quarter of a million dollar bike. Yeah, man. Wow. That's what black shadow. That's what good black shadows go for, um, and his bill was just a a kiss under five figures. Um, wow. But you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I spent uh, six grand in parts. Yeah. So but, you know, Emma, it, how hard it, how hard is it to find parts for something like that? Oh, it's easy. You can get every single component, every nut, bolt, screw, washer. Oh, really? Everything. <laughs> New old stock or, or repro reproductions? Bit of both. Oh wow. No, bit of both. I guarantee I could get more parts for a nineteen fifty one Vincent than for a twenty sixteen Honda. Hmm. I guarantee you. Well right now, yeah. Yeah, well right now. But <laughs> even back then, you know? Um But yeah, getting the parts wasn't a problem. But it's the same thing whenever you deal with old bikes. There's a great deal of profit to be had in making repot parts. And as such, people who have no business making repot parts get involved. And you've really got to be careful about the quality. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's a very, very vibrant owners club in England that's run out of actually part of the old factory where they made them. And a lot of, they have their own parts and the, and they, you know, the quality is pretty much assured because they're genuine parts. Um, And so that's a good resource. The only chore with that, of course, is that you order the parts, then you have to wait for them to arrive from England, which can be up to a month. Well, when the bike is worth that much, they can charge whatever they need to charge for these parts. So it is cost effective to be able to make them. Well, it is. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing that, there was not a single part that I bolted on that bike that I thought, oh, crap, that is expensive. But it all mounts up, you know. The invoice, um, hang on, and this isn't going to help to people who are listening, but the um, the invoice, which I'm holding up right there, you can see there's quite a lot of parts on there. And you see some figures, and mm-hmm. then we get down to the bottom, and you know, oh, it's cooled over. But, yeah, it was, a, it, it was a big job. It was a big job. But now, you, you see, I've finished that one. I can start on the next Vincent, which is waiting patiently. 
get worked on. Which model is that one? Um, that's a 500 Comet, mm. half of Vincent. And the mm. Comet's quite charming in its own <clears throat> respect. Um, you know, the, the big 1,000 V-twins get all the glamour. But the Comet's a fun little bike. Um, it's about as much fun as you can have with, like, 22 horsepower. But it's, it's a charming little thing. Nice. Sounds like a giant generator. Now they don't have as much acclaim. The uh, the comet. I think I'm in a bad spot. Sorry, no. repeat that, darling. The comet doesn't have as much acclaim, right? Even though it's no, still it's, Vincent. It's, no, it's the comet serves a, a vital purpose in the Vincent world. Largely, many, many years ago, it was for people who couldn't afford a Shadow or a Rapide bought a Comet, very much as a lot of people, you know, when they enter the Harley world, they buy a Sportster. Now, those who love Sportsters realize that a Sportster's got charms in a lot of ways far beyond one of the big V-twins. And so it is with the Comet. The Comet is a great bike in its own right. But if you read a lot of the classic bike magazines, particularly the more pompous ones out of England, not that English people can be pompous, you understand. Um, the comet's rather cruelly described as, well, it's half of Vincent and it's half the desirability and half the value. And there's a little more to a comet than that. I'm, I'm really very, very fond of them. And if you're lucky, I'll bring it down when I'm finished with it and you can judge for yourself. Yeah, I'll do that judging as I'm writing it down the street. That's the best way to judge it. Yeah, no, there's a there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of good things about a comet. I, you know, I'm really fond of big, lazy single cylinder bikes in general. Um, so that's the next one. Tra la la, tra la la, and I've got a couple of triumphs in. Um, one which is going to be a major heavy restoration. And the other one's just going to be a get it going, get it down the road. So Moto Town is busy right now. Busy, Emma. When are you going to expand? I'm not. I'm never going to expand. <laughs> well, you know, funnily enough, I've been putting on a few pounds lately <laughs> because I've developed this fondness for cheeseburgers. Uh -oh. And every time I eat a cheeseburger, I expand a bit more. But I'm bummed. How about that? Um, Tralala. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to um, get to some other news. You know, we have not been as affected here in Santa Cruz and in the Monterey Bay area by all the fires up north. I know there are many states that are getting hammered by the smoke, and it wasn't yeah. until last week that I was working up over the hill that um, I was in the smoke and just reminded of what's going on. But uh, Jim and John, you've had a real. Um, stark reminder about the fires you want to talk about uh the trip you had planned talk about jim busting my bubble <laughs> yeah well i don't burst in my bubble too um yeah so I, I think everyone in the country is aware of the fires going on in california one of the reasons i say that is if you look at a satellite image of the country the smoke pouring out of california i think it's it's inundating south carolina I mean, south dakota right now yeah. Um, yeah. This massive smoke. So John and I were thinking about uh, doing a trip and we were going to head to an area called Moon Rocks, which is 
northeast of uh, Reno, Nevada. So it's high desert. You know, I want to say like around 4,000 feet BLM land. It's really pretty. Uh, a lot, really varied riding. You know, you can see forever, see for 30 miles, no joke, like down the valleys, that kind of a thing. And um, we saw, and, but, um, you know, if, if you're in California, you know, for sure there's, and you go outside of Santa Cruz, you know, there's a lot of smoke. So, you know, I've, I started following the fire stuff a lot last year when we had the fires in Santa Cruz, right? Go figure, we're all packing clothes and some of us had to evacuate. And unfortunately, uh, many people and friends of ours lost their homes. Um, and I'll just mention a couple of things on that note. One is Twitter. Uh, I don't do Twitter really, except I do now for emergency stuff. Hmm. If you hmm. ever want to get the latest up-to-date information for emergencies, it's a great resource. Um, you know, you can hashtag stuff like the name of a fire or, or whatever your incident might be. And people will post things and you can have it come as the latest post. So even in Santa Cruz, it was like neighborhood by neighborhood. We're putting out, you know, hot spots here. So I'll mention Twitter is a great resource for emergency, like operations management uh, for up for the latest info. It's amazing. You know, when I evacuated last year, because um, my, my house was in danger, the fires got within a couple hundred yards. Um, Twitter was the only way I was getting like real time notifications on what was happening. Um, so I was super thankful. I'm not a Twitter guy either, but I, I echo that, man. That is and it is such a scary thing when something like that happens. It's so disconcerting. So I was thankful for the for the uh, notifications. It, it it's a great thing, yeah. Um, and the other thing I've noticed for trip planning um, is you can use that. Also the the GIA uh, GAIA GPS app. Gaia, yeah, yeah. Gaia, I can never remember. Um, it has some great layers to it. Obviously, a lot of riding stuff, motor vehicle use type things. It also has layers for smoke. It has layers for um, where the fires are, but also satellite, you know, instant or update satellite imagery for new hotspots. Um, it has predictive stuff. So uh, it's another great app to look at where to go. So with that said, I'm like, huh, I wonder how things are going out, you know, in that direction. Reno, because Reno, if you don't know, is east of Lake Tahoe. Well, a new fire popped up last week, I want to say on Monday, called the Caldor Fire. Uh, the other fire is going right now, the Dixie Fire, largest state fire in the state, 760,000 acres. Um, the new one is the Caldor Fire, which is west of Lake Tahoe, southwest of Tahoe, in the Sierra foothills. So say around, I'm guessing, 4,000, 5,000 feet. Very wooded, hadn't burned some of these areas in over 100 years. Um, <clears throat> so these two fires are producing tons of smoke. Um, where John and I were going to go right now, it's like, you know, bright red as far as, as air quality goes. So I think whatever the, the number they use is like, it's up around... I think Lake Tahoe is in the 300s, which is shocking. Santa Cruz is like 30. Tahoe is like 300. Out where John and I were going to go, it was in the high end, like 180, something like that, the air quality index. Um, so, which is disappointing. So not to burst John's bubble, but we'll still find somewhere to ride. Um, but the, the wildfires are just amazing. When you see the smoke and the impact, I don't know how people live. I was just up actually in the Sears this uh, last week for three, four days camping you can see behind me basically up mm -hmm. here at about seven thousand feet lake uh huntington lake and the reason we ended up there it's like literally the only state place you can find in the state where there's no smoke other than the desert right it's still like 105 down there right now um so anyway um i don't know what to say other than holy schmoly um but it's bad you know people are losing their homes and I, you know have to go down that rabbit hole but the planet's on fire i mean global warming is already mm -hmm. leaving us behind um did you, you know, see that uh, 
just recently was the first time in history that Mount Shasta has no snow on it. Right. Yeah. So I, I hear more and more stories. Friends yeah. of mine that live in the Sierras, not only have the people's wells started drying up earlier this year, which had never happened before. Now um, little streams and, and creeks that had never draw, dried up before are dried up. Yeah. Um, I did a hike up to Rancheria Falls over the, uh, up that way. Um, about 7,800 feet. You look at the pictures, beautiful kind of high Alpine waterfall, you know, something like Austria. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think Rancheria Falls turned into basically Rancheria cliff. You know, there was really no water. Um, wow. Yeah. One of the charm, one of the charms of where I live is that there's a, uh, a Creek. We live on right on Kings Creek and uh, it's dry. And according to my neighbor, he's been here since 75. It's, it's never been dry before. Wow. So it's a, uh, we used to have like ducks out there and all kind of cool animals and it's, cr- it's crazy right now. Yeah. And so. also this past week, uh, Greenland for the first time, it rained at the, the summit yeah. on Greenland. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. You know, when I, yeah. when I, when I rode to uh, South Dakota, um, it, it was heavy smoke from basically from the Bay area all the way over the grand Tetons and into uh, into the middle of Wyoming. Yeah, I was wow. amazed how, how far the smoke was. So I guess we need to offer apologies to everyone else taking our smoke. <laughs> I, I, it's in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's going around the globe. Wow. Yeah. But not uh, here but in Santa Cruz. We just have BMXers. It's pretty much <laughs> it. The one pocket of California is like Monterey Bay to San Francisco. And then baseball looks like as you get up to Portland, it isn't terrible. But as you get east of Portland, you know, I think that because you guys have the huge fire up there too. Yeah, there are a number of fires here up in Oregon too. Um, they're yeah. a little bit uh, east of where I am. So I've been pretty lucky where the, the winds typically have been blowing either north to south or west to east. So that's kept most of the smoke out of here. Although there have been a few days where we had some pretty pretty smoky skies and uh but but we've been really lucky there's just nothing real close by um you know at least i'd say the closest fires are probably at least an hour hour and a half away sometimes you can't see it oh. yeah it's it's uh, well the bummer is it's like you really can't do much when it's like that you know like literally for us to find a place to motorbike where you can breathe there's only a right. couple so yeah and uh, yeah you know i was thinking that that um you know i got i got really lucky where i was when i was on my trip um i was able to find a route back that uh that avoided the majority of the smoke where i stayed kind of south of montana um and i was able to you know stay in areas that were relatively clear if i were to do that now it would be probably impossible yeah, you know what's it, one thing that's coming out of this that's good. I notice, and maybe you know the infrastructure. Hopefully, the infrastructure money that gets passed and eventually makes it out to the states is where they're rebuilding campgrounds. They're doing really nice work. So I was at a place, a rancheria campground. You know, it was like a developed campground where everybody's there and there's kids. Not usually my thing, but it was it was a hoot and the lake was beautiful. But it had just been kind of burned over. Um, not all of it, but the, they had what was the Creek Fire last year, uh, 380,000 acres. It's hard to get your mind around TCS stuff in person. But the state was rebuilding the campground, and it was really nice, really nice bathrooms. The, you know, the sites were well-maintained. So, I mean, maybe that's a silver lining. It's burning down all the old campgrounds. I don't know. 
Um, but it, it is scary. And I mean, the, it, the, the view from Lake Tahoe right now, if you look at the cam, it looks like Beijing on its worst day. And I don't think this is stopping until it rains. So this could go till October, November. I mean, the, the, yeah, I the, saw some early reports where there's going to have another bad rain here. So that's not great. Yeah, and this Caldor fire looks like it could burn to Lake Tahoe. I mean, to the lake. Crazy. Dude. Well, I mean, the one thing, I mean, it, okay, fires is, is bad for all the people that live there, but it is good for the, you know, for the terrain because it does need to happen as part of the natural cycle. But one thing that is kind of cool is going riding after a fire. Oh, God, yeah. It's so apocalyptic. Dude. Well, you know, me and John will be back up at Huntington Lake uh, in a couple of weeks because that's the only place we can go. And um, Pai Pai, I don't know if you're at Pai Pai, where that is, that mm -hmm. riding area in the Sierras, burned down the whole place. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. But we'll go back up there, and you'll see some views where you can look over these valleys, I'm saying maybe 10 miles from peak to peak, kind of, and it looks like a nuclear bomb went off. It's literally gray, white ground with matchstick trees and every as far as you can see. It's it's just bizarre. Hmm. Um, and the other weird thing is to see if the rain's going to come back because we didn't get a lot of rain. You didn't see a lot of the forest regrowing, you know. So I don't, you know, it's how it's going to be fascinating to see these ecosystems how they come back. And I think that you know California is dumping money into resource management, cleaning up the forests, um, you know, raking the forests. I'll <laughs> say right, that's what needs to happen, honestly. Mm -hmm. But I see I see these mechanical operations out in the national forest where they're harvesting lumber and it's pretty cool to watch these massive machines out there, but they're so, the forests are so big. I don't, I don't think we ever get in front of, in front of where we're at, you know, trying to clean up, clean them up. Right. Well, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of issues like with the, the pine beetles right now, they're killing like large swaths of the forests and there's just no way to keep up with that and, and clear those trees before, you know, the next forest fire comes, you know, and that's, that's exacerbating things a lot too. in, in a lot of places. Yeah, but Mother Nature will come in. She'll do 600,000 acres for you, no problem, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Why don't we'll they just out. put the goats in there? Yeah, more goats. <laughs> I'm not sure the goats will eat the trees. <laughs> well, we'll eat the goats uh, anyway. They eat all the brush. Well, yeah. I want to talk about scooters. Oh, yeah? I got your attention, Bagel? Oh, yeah. But it's not for me, actually. It's for John. So John's wife, oh. Melissa, has been taking lessons from Micah and wants to get into oh. riding. And we were talking about what bike would be good for her. And I said, I actually think a scooter would be best. Um, yeah. And I figured, you know, with this group, we can talk about it. But John, you kind of got excited about one certain scooter. Yeah, I got a thing for the, uh, for the Honda, the Adventure Scooter. Um, that they have so i think they're kind of hard to find right bagel i'm not i'm not sure but i, I don't really know i haven't looked into them too much there it is, yeah. <clears throat> they're they're pretty they're pretty new and i wouldn't be surprised with you know all the logistics issues these days that there wouldn't be supply issues with them mm -hmm. um but this is you're looking at the at the 750 or the the 150 the smaller one probably probably for her. okay the 150 yeah yeah can we, can we buy it Live on the podcast, looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so, Big, let me ask you a few questions since I got you here. And uh, okay, um, so what for a first rider? Um, that feels like the right size. Um, will it? What will it do in terms of keeping up on the highway? And sort of what? How will, it, how will it run with motorcycles? Yeah, 
Well, no. I, I don't. I'm not familiar with the 150. No. Um, it. I'm modern, back. Well, <laughs> hello, Emma. I, I was going to say that a a modern 150 will probably just barely be able to keep up on the highway. Like it will probably top out, like max out at wet 65. Okay. So technically and legally, you could ride it on the highway. You probably don't want to ride it on the highway for very long, <clears throat> and it probably won't be very comfortable, you know, with the cars whizzing past you. Um, so, you know, so I'm not sure if that's really the best bike to 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 use for for lots of freeway riding. It might be okay if you have to occasionally hop on for a little bit, um, yep. but it you really, especially for a new rider, you probably don't want to be on. Use it for much more than that, John. Even well, my two fifty, I've taken on the freeway, and it was sketch. Those little <laughs> wheels. <laughs> yeah, but your your two fifty is kind of a scraper. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Liza. So, Bagel, what would you recommend then for a new rider, uh, mm-hmm. for for a, a scooter? What would be like? What well, would you point them? Uh, first, how how tall is she? She's about five five. Okay. So she's gonna. Uh, she doesn't have a particularly long inseam. Then I, I take it, uh, Mister no, Miss probably. Stumpy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and what kind of riding does she plan on doing? I think she just wants to participate in the life, like I am. I don't think she's quite figured out. Like, yeah, take freeway. Here's my niche. Take freeway off the table. Yeah. Okay. Well, may I say if, something? Yeah. Of course. I think she should get a motorbike because scooters are death traps. Thank you. Wow. It's all in how you ride them. Um, but um, if, if she is, well, what, what one thing I, I, do you, do you know what the seat height is on the, the Honda ADB 150? I don't. Yeah. I, I want, I, I don't really recall, uh, for certain, but, but something in my mind says that it actually has a kind of low seat height. Mm. So it might be a bike that's worth considering um, because that's, that's going to be probably one of the biggest challenges for us finding, finding a bike that she can put her feet on the ground and she may need to consider uh, lowering the seat, you know, shaving off uh, an inch or so uh, to try to get a little bit more clearance. Um, Although obviously as, Jocelyn Snow has has taught us you there are techniques where you can adapt. Um right. but you know, but for especially for a new writer, you want you know want to make it easy. So mm-hmm. um so that I'd say the ADV one fifty is a possibility. It'd be worth checking out if you can find one uh that you can you know sit on in a dealership. Mm-hmm. Um another bike that what about, I, I what would, about the um, what about the fly one fifty? That's got a nice low seat, right? Yeah, the Fly mm-hmm. 150 is is a pretty good bike. Uh, this is Piaggio's uh, 150cc bike that's um, that has the same motor as the Vespa LX 150. Um, and so, yeah, those are those are good bikes as well. They're, they're worth considering. Uh, the Piaggio is a little <clears> bit <throat> cheaper than the Vespa. Um, another bike that I really like is the uh, the Buddy, uh, the gen- genuine Buddy uh, scooter, mm-hmm. which comes in 125, 150, and 170 mm-hmm. uh, fuel injected. Oh. That's um, what we rode at um, Vintage Days, right? The Buddies? Yeah, we, right. the 125 and the 150. I mm-hmm. think he had yep. both. 
Yeah, and if if she wants something that's that's going to be easy on maintenance, then you know probably the one seventy fuel injector would be the best bet. Um, yep. They're they're very comfortable bikes, uh, very capable. Um, and you know other options. Um, there's Yamaha Zuma, which has a fairly low seat height. Um, those I think are limited to one fifty or one twenty five cc's, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that would be a little bit less power to get around, but if she's just looking to get around town, it might be okay. Um, but those, those are the bikes that I would, I would suggest looking at. Uh, another, another one, I, I don't know what the seat height is, um, but, and I'm trying to remember what their, their current 150 model is. I don't know if it's the like, or if they have a new model out instead, but Kimco uh, makes a, a number of, of good quality bikes as well. All right. I, I want to take a shot at this. <clears throat> sure. Okay. John, I think that you're choosing the ADV scooter for you and not for her. And I actually think it's not a good option because you can't step through. I actually don't like the scooters you can't step through. Um, mm. <clears throat> I think she would want one. Also, um, women like to carry a lot of stuff. Right, Emma? Right. Yes. And that means one scooter. The C3. No, stop it. Yes. Uh, um, that's a 50. Women like C3 to carry stuff. And they like something that's cute. <clears throat> yes. So you have All you can things. go two options. Um, I really think that a Vespa 250 or 300 oh. is a freeway capable bike. It's cute and it has pretty good storage capacity. So well, but, but let me give a caveat for the mm-hmm. the Vespa two hundred and fifty and three hundred is they they are much bigger bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're ta- they're they're a bit taller, but they're also a lot wider, which makes it very difficult for somebody with a low a uh, short inseam to be able to to really get their feet on the ground. Um, you know, like like I said, there are techniques that you can use. So you know, if she if she really wants that much much power, and she's able to handle a heavier bike, a bigger bike like that, uh, it'd be worth considering. But I, I kind of think that for a first bike, she might want something smaller. That might be some something to consider upgrading to later. All right, so that's the bike that's cute. Now the one that carries a lot of stuff. Bagel, I don't remember the name, but um, Jim. Or was it who was who did I go to Hollywood Electrics with? Was that Jim when we were down yeah. there? No, Remember, the it's a, it's an electric scooter that basically has like a giant cargo box on the back, like a dump yeah. truck. Was it the Gen Z? I think it was a Gen Z electric. Yeah, that has a big carrying like a, like a pickup truck. It's like a scooter pickup truck. Yeah, except their top speed's limited to like thirty miles an hour. Well, that's that's a bike like if you want something kind of, you know, unique, it's electric, ride around town, carry a lot of stuff. But I think, John, the bike that because you you want her to get a bike that she can ride, but then that you will actually want to ride too. And exactly. I'm going to say a Ruckus 150. <clears throat> or two, 200, you mean? A two, is it 200? Yeah. Yeah. I think a Ruckus. That's the Honda that's Ruckus. A, yeah. yeah, you know, if if she if she's not looking for the cute aesthetic, that might be an option. And and here's why I, I've seen some stretch ruckuses in Maui. I was about to say, here's why well, Emma approves. You can stretch it. Well, stretch there's it. The, well, hold on. These stretch are two different with saddlebags. <laughs> these are two different ruckuses here. There's the Ruckus 50, which are the ones that get stretched with yeah. the GY6 mm-hmm. motors, mm-hmm. and then there's the Ruckus 200. 
which basically has, I think it's the reflex motor in it. And, and it looks like, it looks like uh, something that, that you'd find, you know, coming, coming from John Deere or something. It's, <laughs> it's a very agricultural looking bike, the, the Ruckus 200 um, or two, 250, I should say. What was that, Emma? Yeah, these aren't cute-looking bikes at all. There's nothing no. of appeal to a girl there at all. No, That's but it. but it's something that I think John would think would be cool to ride too. Because you know, you got you can go different avenues with scooters, and that's one of the oh, things John that's cool. John can pull off riding a scooter. Yeah, but he would he would have fun no. on a ruckus. Now, now <laughs> if 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 she were to go the route of a, a stretched ruckus fifty with the GY six motor. <laughs> The, the advantage there is that you've you've got the lowest seat height ever on mm-hmm. one of those, so no problem with reaching the ground. Like you could put your feet on the ground with your knees bent at ninety degree angles on one of those. So, <laughs> so you know, so that's that would be the advantage there. The, the disadvantage with a stretched ruckus is, is that you're going to constantly have issues with Chinese motors and all of the issues that come with Frankensteining one of those into another bike and. You know, that kind of and stuff. And the biggest issue is if she buys a stretch ruckus, it wasn't made by Honda. It was made in someone game. Yes. Emma, you're you're really what breaking up right now. <clears throat> you're breaking up. Yeah, there's, not too, there's not too many of the big ones out there, it looks like, for sale. No, but, they, they stopped making yeah. those a number of years ago. And yeah. they, they never really sold in, in very big numbers to begin with, I think. Right. Um, you can find them, but you know you have to do a little bit of searching. Yeah, there's one in St. Louis. So, John, yeah. I, I just came up with a good one: Bergman 400. It does everything. It's not a step through, right? Yes, because it's well, it a is, step it is, But it's a that's a big bike, though. It's not that big. Well, for oh, for, for a five foot five beginner, it's big. <laughs> Hey Emma, you may want to turn your video off because you're you're breaking up a lot. Oh, um, what? What about? Um, I mean, uh, have you thought about what what was the, the Benelli that you wanted to buy at Phil's? Have you thought of hmm, just getting a little just fun thing that she could ride around in the hills and learn on, and that you would have fun I have too? Thought about that. I thought about a Grom also too. Yeah. I mean, the reality is she needs to gain. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is she needs to gain um, confidence, confidence on the street and learn. And I think Jim is a perfect example of just get something small to cut your teeth on, and then you can move into what you're going to be actually doing with it. And which I think the Rebel 1100 is an awesome bike for her if you want to have a bike that she could do freeway with you and, and traveling. Yeah. But until then, it sounds like you want to get something that is fun for you, too. Um, well, I want to have something that I'm going to like if she decides that she doesn't like it. What about uh, <laughs> something like an Aprilia two-stroke scooter? Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Bagel? Well, the problem with Aprilias is, number one, finding parts for them. Mm. Um, they... They have not made scooters in probably 10 years now, I think. So anything that you're going to find is going to need work. And find, finding parts for some models is, it's just unobtainium at this point. And, 
I'll tell you why I hated those scooters at first. Bagel, I think these are the ones that look kind of like a sport bike, right? Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. This is back when I didn't wave at scooterists. And I think it's a sport bike, and I'd wave, and then I'd go buy a scooter. I'd be like, oh. And these are like 50 cc's, right? Yeah, 50 cc two stroke, just a fun little ring, ring, ring. Yep. Yeah, performance cylinders and everything. Yeah, but. Getting something, uh, I mean, in reality, um, I would say something in the 250 range, period. Be it a Rebel yeah. 250 or a Vespa 250 or a Nighthawk 250, anything in that in that range I think would be good. Yeah, I felt, I felt bad for her because, you know, she's around me and all of us. And, you know, it's become second nature for all of us. So I think that she thought she was going to like jump into the test and all of a sudden it was just going to be second nature and jump on it and go. But, um, but I think the shifting of the gears and trying to make it through the cones and, you know, around that big circle was a little too hard for her. So I'm wondering if we take away the shifting that it will, it will, uh, it'll help her sort of focus on just the riding aspect of it. And then later on we can add in, you know, a little more complexity. Which again, that's why I like that rebel 1100 with the, um, see the, not for her first bike. DCT. Really? Why not? That's, that's you, would, a, you would put somebody on a for, for eleven hundred for a first bike. That's a lot of power for a first bike. <laughs> I don't know, uh, Emma. What do you think? Uh, 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 hang on. I think if it's the DCT, well, back to the first bike. I I maintain that um, for a scooter, Typhoon one hundred and fifty, perfect. If she wants to ride a motorbike, yeah, no. It's the answer to every question. Rebel 250. Yeah. Perfect. But the reality and, is, you know, the, the reality is, if you need a gateway, I actually think right. that a Vespa is a great gateway because they're cute, they're fun, and they're extremely functional. <laughs> and they have resale, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Motorcycling. Well, you know, I'll say my um, my neighbor, who's an artist, just picked up a Vespa. It looks brand new. I don't know what kind or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but no, brand no, new. It's a beautiful green color. So uh, beautiful green, beautiful green matching helmet. It's the most adorable, cutest thing ever. And she has so much fun riding down the street on that thing. Nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, what your wife's thinking, but but my neighbor just loves it. A little Vespa scoots on that. It's a beautiful green. Huge grin on her face. There you go. I think <clears throat> I think we might be on to something. But you know what? <clears throat> there might be another option. We'll oh. just see. Um, it's game time, you guys. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I prepared a game for you guys. Do you remember how to play What's It Worth? Uh, vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hopefully, Emma, you guys can hear so you, you two can play along. What I've done is I have found some bikes on Craigslist. And um, I'm going to show you a picture of the bike. And you guys need to guess what its value is and what <clears throat> you think they're asking for it. And instead of competing against each other, I want you guys to work together as a team and kind of Give each other, you know, your opinions and vote. And then, um, uh, I'll, Bagel, I'll make you team leader. You get to 
collect from everyone and come up with the numbers. How about that? Let's right. see how well you guys can do. So <clears throat> let me bring it up. Let's see. Uh, oh, let's go over here. Let's get away from the scooter and we'll go over here. Nope. We'll go over. Here we go. This is our first bike. Can you all see it? Yep. Okay. What we have here is a 2003 BMW K1200 GT. Mm-hmm. And this bike is nice BMW sport touring bike with side cases and low miles. Um, it has been fully serviced, transmission service, oil, everything, uh, final drive service. It is a good running, decent bike. Again, this is a 2003 BMW K1200 GT. And the reason we're playing this game is prices are crazy right now. Mm-hmm. It's hard what's, what's to know. What's the mileage what, on it? Uh, let's see. It just said low miles. Uh, let's see. Um, 17,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what year is it again? 2003. Wow. Can That's we ask like clarifying questions miles a year. Emma? You Yes. You guys work together. Do, do we have Emma oh. on the line? <laughs> oh, no. So. Did she drop bummer. out? Oh. Uh, bummer. Well, there we go. Huh. I would well, say, knowing that they've got issues specifically, I think the ABS systems can be wonky with those when they start getting old. Yeah. I would say uh, three grand. It's worth. Maybe. I I was thinking more along the lines of five grand because, in a, a lit, again, it depends a lot on the history. If if it has been, you know, ridden very lightly, you know, gone, gone to Starbucks, you know, once a month or something, to put a thousand miles on it a year, um, and it's been maintained religiously, you know, maybe it's worth you know upwards of that, but. Um, but with that low mile, it, it has been sitting for a while. And as we've talked about right. before, especially for these very complex bikes, that can be a, a real problem factor. The ABS brakes you know, can be an issue, all of that. But otherwise, I mean, I would guess this thing would go for like around with bagel, maybe five or six grand. Because if it is rare, you know, in okay shape, what a great sport touring motorcycle. I mean, for... But it's what year again? Two thousand and three. Two thousand three. Man, that's old. That's old for a beamer. For for this kind of beamer. Yeah. So hello miles. Bagel, so, what do you think it's worth and what do you think they're asking for it? <clears throat> well I think between everyone in the group, I I, I think I wanna say Let's say forty five hundred is probably what it's worth. Okay. Um, I'm going to say they're probably asking seventy five. Ooh. Well, in this case, they're actually asking three thousand six hundred and eighty eight dollars. Whoa! Oh, that's a good deal. Go buy it right now. That is a good deal. Yeah. And that is in San Jose. So here on our local Craigslist. Wow. Yeah. Is is there anything wrong with it? it, No. He said he has a bunch of BMWs and just he just got Hmm. another one. He's got four. 
And uh, wow. so this is just sitting in the garage, but it's been serviced. That sounds Somebody like a good go deal for someone. Yeah. Yeah. When it's hard to find deals right now. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bagel, do you want to stay team leader? Do you want to pass it to someone else? Uh, I don't know. Does anybody else want to be team leader? I nominate Bagel. Okay. Right, okay. I second the nomination. Okay. Right. Let's stay with Bagel. I'll stay All the right, course. The next one is this. Oh. Ooh. Okay. What we have here. The CL50 or something? <clears throat> A 1969 Honda SL90. And this one is in Kingman, Arizona. Uh, Completely restored 1969 Honda 90cc SL. This model manufactured only one year. It's a collector's item. Runs great. Only 6,000 miles. Repair manual, battery tender cover, and extra parts included. Clean title and current registration. Not too shabby. That's got to be worth five grand, maybe. Uh, I don't think it's going to be worth quite that much. Now, um, it's hard to tell from the scale. It is a 90. It is not a right. large motorcycle. <clears throat> yeah. 90 uh, is not going to fetch five grand. So are we talking like normal market values or COVID market values? We're talking about right now. Act right now, what people are paying. Now, if it, if it were a CT90... That that would be crazy money. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be four or five grand. But it's a it's a big wheel bike, so I'm guessing that it might go for twenty five to somebody who knows what it is and really is looking for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if it's if it's been restored well, um, I mean, it looks nice from the picture, but it really depends on when you get into the details about how quality a job it was done with it. Um, that will be a big determining factor on the price. But I, I would say two grand twenty five hundred. What do you think it's worth? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of there with Bagel. I think the others are more desirable, you know, so maybe I mean I would think someone would list this for three grand just because motorcycles seem to be expensive now. Um, but it is small. You know, it's a small bike. Um yeah, it's plated. Yeah, it's yeah. thirty five hundred, and maybe it goes for twenty five hundred. Yeah, I and think that's it, low. Uh, for what what it's actually worth, you mean? Well, okay, actually, I'm thinking about now what they're asking. Right, one one thing at a time, because yeah, I, yeah, I was in terms of what it, what it's actually worth, meaning like what somebody would pay for this. Um, if I had if money was no problem for me, I would go in and pay. 2500 for this. And and okay. assuming it's in the condition he says it is. Okay. So assuming it's it's a it's a quality restoration done right, right parts. Um, right. Honda parts. Okay. okay. So 20 2500 <laughs> in optimistically. I'll um, say 2500. Okay. So then sure. what what do you think this guy's asking for it? 45. I'd say asking 35, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I I kind of would I'm kind of thinking he's probably asking 35 or so. So, all right. Are you ready? <clears throat> yep. Okay. They're asking 4,000 right in the middle. Wow. Yeah. So you guys yeah. were, were, you were there. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what is it worth is what someone's willing to pay. So we can't say what it's worth, but right. But you had a really like good. a little motorcycle for four grand. I tell you what, it's a but, cool little bike. But though. the prices are crazy. This bike costs money. more than that K1200. 
that has right. been serviced. Yeah. That you could ride cross country right now. Yeah, and I think the thing that the seller is 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 angling for is not not just to make back his money that he spent on restoring the bike, but but he's he's angling for somebody's nostalgia where this was yeah. their first bike as a kid and they want one just like it and they'll they'd be willing to spend that money for it and they might find that. Yeah. Interesting. All right, you ready for the next one? <clears throat> yep. All right, fire away. Boom. Mm, okay. Goody. Yep. Ooh. What we are looking mm. at here is That's kinda cool. say the name. Um <clears throat> the I mean the year. Doesn't say. It just says <clears throat> Motoguzi V fifty. Does not A say 500. The year. Yeah. Oh wait, it's an eighty one. This customized okay. V fifty shaft drive eighty one Motoguzi. It's out of the DMV system. It comes with a bill of sale, as is, not running, been sitting for 10 years, ran when Oof. bought, sat for a year, got new points and battery, owner lost interest, and it's sat ever since. Oh, dear God. It looks pretty uh, cool. I like that little seat on the, the uh, rear fender, that passenger the, seat. The rest, the rest on the front brake disc does not look very cool. So just for reference, I, I think I can say this. I, I think... I think uh, Miss Emma let her Guzzi go for around five, the green one. Right. And that was Which head and shoulders beautiful. above this. Yeah. Right. I, I, I'm thinking this would be $500 on a good day. Yeah. Because this thing is going to need everything. I mean, look at that pipe. Yeah. Where's it located? Yeah. This is in uh, here in the Bay Area. Yeah, Looks like the front rotor is all rusted, too. That can't yeah. be a stock. I wonder if it's a stock front fender. I don't know. Looks like a Harley but, front fender or something. Well, it matches the rear fender. It does. It does. Yeah. The emblem on it, uh, or the, but the, it does the light, say, the light on the front fender is not original. It does think. say customized V50. Right. Well, they obviously jacked the seat which, up. Which, right, which means they, they've lowered lowered the value of it. No airbox um, either, is there? Yeah. Yeah, there's no airbox. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is a mess. Um, I... I if it if it turns and has compression, it's probably worth five hundred dollars. Um, if it doesn't, it's garbage. I'm sad to say. At least that's my thought. I mean, I, these, I these, aren't, these, aren't, these aren't particularly rare bikes, are they? I don't know, actually. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, this one looks like it's been severely neglected. Uh, after it's been, you know, bastardized by somebody's idea of making a custom, and it's not the worst custom, but it's pretty close yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, it it, it might have looked okay back in the day, but it's yeah, it's it's going to need to be gone through completely from top to bottom, and it's it's going to need way more money to get it going than it's it's going to need to be to, to actually buy it. Is that headlight stopped uh, or is that? Oh, uh, no, that looks question. like it's That's a crazy looking headlight. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows if that even works? <laughs> I bet she's asking. I don't know. Grand. What do you guys? Oof. Um, I, I would say he's probably asking two grand because it doesn't run. Yeah. I'm with bagel two grand and at best 500 bucks. Yeah. Yep. All right. You ready to find out? <clears throat> yeah. 
the owner of this bike is asking for eight hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. That's that reasonable. means you could walk away with it for four, probably. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, and yeah, even though it has reasonable. rust, it is a complete bike. I mean, it's right. customized, but. And like I said, if if the motor turns and has compression, you know, for for you know even eight hundred bucks, it's not too bad. Well, you, you saw something it, with that. You this is a I think a good basis for doing another a custom. Another custom because you're yeah. not going to mess it up any more than it is. But exactly. what you have is a pretty cool uh, '80s Moto Guzzi here. Yeah. So not a bad deal, I think. Depending on a lot of things, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. Yeah, if the motor's stuck, it's not a good deal. Let's yeah. see what yeah, is next. Yeah. Oh, look what we have here. Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what we have here <clears throat> is a Sims Custom Harley, a 2002 Custom. So remember the height of the oh, custom trim. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, uh, if you can see what it says on that the air cleaner, thug. it says thug. Um, ah. There are yes. 4,200 miles. It's a is, that, is that a brand or a statement? <laughs> well, it's a custom built 131 thug motor. Okay. Um, 150 horsepower with a Baker six-speed tranny, uh, Siriani mm. front end, legend air ride system, uh, performance machine wheels, custom paint it's a show bike ready to go it's got skulls on it <laughs> it's a no flames though they need some 2002 flames. No <laughs> custom chopper this is something that is hard wow. um because there was a lot of people building these bikes and mm-hmm. uh you can watch like on uh srk or bikes and beards like he bought a west coast choppers bike that was just a piece of shit you know for, i think he <laughs> yeah he didn't pay that I think much I saw that it. one. <clears throat> so these are, they aren't cheap though, right? I mean, when these things new and it was a hot market, these were not cheap motorcycles. It'd be no. 80, 100 grand or more. Yeah. No, 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 no. <clears throat> not this one. This this more probably of a production. was this I'd probably say for twenty five thousand. Uh, forty oh, maybe. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna guessing. say yeah, I'm gonna say they're asking. You know, maybe maybe so this, twenty grand for it, and I'll say it's uh, you know worth fifteen thousand now. I think that's high. So, so Liza, this one is not a one-off. It's a, this is a, a production custom, so to speak. Uh, it's Sims Harley, so I think it's a, it's a shop yeah. that built it. I, okay, like a lot of the shops. And yeah, and, Sims would come to the Hollister Rally every year. They'd bring trailers and stuff like that, like really cool custom paint. They do yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. And what does it say on the seat? Do you have any idea? Uh, let me see if I can see what that says. Can't quite make that up. <laughs> it might say Sims. It says Sims. Oh, it says Sims. Okay. And it also says it on the rear fender. Hmm. Yeah. The thing is that that there's there's not a lot of demand for big custom cruisers like this um and and trying to figure out what it's worth is really tough because it all depends again on what somebody's willing to pay and it could be that there's nobody who wants to pay any decent money for something like this or there might be one person who's willing to just 
throw their whole wallet at you. Oh, and I forgot to tell you where it is. This is in Vacaville, California. Mm. How many miles again, okay. Liza? Oh, 4,200 miles. <clears throat> okay. And it's, it's from what year again? 2002. Huh. So I, they haven't been riding very much. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, and, and I'm assuming it's, it's running and in good shape. Uh, just says ready to go. <clears throat> okay. Well, let's assume it's running in a good shape. Um, I, I want to say they might be able to get 7,500 for it. Ooh. I, <clears throat> They're probably, I'm thinking more like nine. Yeah, they're they're probably asking fifteen. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Bagel because you know don't forget we go to these big twin of the Jim. You're like, always with Bagel. Come on, buddy. <laughs> I'm just we, we go to these belly things and you see bunches of bikes like these. You know, I think for a certain yeah. set, you know, they're still popular as as you know whatever they are. Yeah, I'm not more on the high side. I bet fifteen grand. That's what they're asking. Yeah, because they're probably into it for for a bunch more than that. Oh you know, yeah. Like, oh, I don't. You know, it's worth all this. It's like, no, it's not, bro. But right. But this is you know forty grand almost twenty years ago yeah. that they put into it. So, and what it, can yeah. you get out of it today? Is you know. And there's a lot, a lot to it. It's got like this basic custom fat rear fender, a simple mm -hmm. gas tank, and some, and an air filter, air, air filter cover. And yeah, it's, it's well, clean. It's low. It's got some nice lines. You know, it's got a nice little, you know, very, very small fairing around the headlight. It, it's, it's not, a, it's, it's nice looking bike. You what know? did you see, Bagel? <laughs> I mean, it, for, the, for, the, for the genre, for the genre, it's a nice looking bike. <laughs> like, it's, and, it's not And hideous. I will say it is a rideable custom chopper. Yeah, as opposed to ones well, that have like crazy front front ends right, or you know right, or right. rigid, it's not like crazy raked out um, or anything. All right, so uh, and I'm just going to throw in my two cents. I think it's worth about fifteen because it's pretty clean. My custom chopper is having issues with the the chrome um, after just a year or two, but this one looks actually very well maintained. They are asking twenty six thousand. Wow, they're trying to recoup. Their expenses. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. But you know yep. what? Again, I don't know. That motor is worth something. Just because even though it's a custom chopper, all the parts yeah, but, will attach to any Harley. So you could drop that into a Harley. Yes. But, but the but gearbox the, is probably worth some money too, the six speed. Yeah, right, it's but that, worth about three grand, I think. Right. But wow. that that's that's perpetually shrinking market though, Liza. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing. You know, it's like, to, who's going to pay that? That's I will the say the fact that it has thug on it, <laughs> Sims on it, and a skull on the gas tank. If yeah. you just paint it black, all those things black. It might increase the value. <laughs> it increase the value. <clears throat> all right. I got one more for you. All right. All right. Let's see if you guys can get this one. And we're sticking with a Harley. Oh. B-Rod. Uh -huh. Exactly. So it might want to explain it for the li for the listeners. So what we have here is a 2002, so again, 2002, <clears throat> Harley-Davidson VRSC V-Rod. And this one, Bagel, right. if you are mm -hmm. interested, is in Portland. Wow. Um, <clears throat> I could get a real bike. This is the first year of production. <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't say that. <laughs> First year of production. Um, yeah. Not well, not for the V Rod, but for the eleven fifty Revolution motor. Uh, hmm. Wait, for, first year two thousand and two, or was it? It might have been. It might have been actually. I'm yeah. trying to remember when I moved here. Um, first year of production, eleven fifty Revolution motor, five speed, fuel injected, upgraded exhaust, passenger backrest and luggage rack, engine guard, windshield, saddle bags. Um, <clears throat> and this is at a dealer. Hmm. So. V-Rods. Uh, well, V-Rods were like what? They were like 17? 20,000 20, miles. Hmm. V-Rods are hmm. pretty interesting, especially since they discontinued it. But yeah, they don't have a great market, though, because it's not going to appeal to the traditional Harley guy. And I don't, you know, that's why they quit, quit selling them. Well, right. And they never sold that well to begin with. Right? Couldn't get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, in a way, though, because they never sold very well to begin with, there's not a lot of them out there. Mm-hmm. These these could become a kind of a, a collector's item, I think. And and this is getting to that age where it's it's almost you know it's it's getting close to being a vintage bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hard to say, um, you know. So. And 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 V rods. The the these are the bikes that that uh, Harley worked with Porsche to design the engines on them. Yeah, so right, right. You know, so they they have plenty of power from what I what I hear. Um, and this one does look like it's in pretty nice shape. Yeah, the challenge though, there's a lot of really good power cruisers out there right now, like yeah. the, you know, like the Honda, the 1100, the sure. Rebel. Sure. I'm thinking it's worth 75. Yeah. You're on mute, Thanks. Jim. I was, was going to say, I'll go a little higher than that. I mean, you know, they, they weren't, you know, super cheap new. Um, and they're a cool looking bike. I mean, I, I don't think it's an iconic Harley look, but I'd say it's a, I don't know, 10 grand, something like that. 10, to, yeah, 10, 10 12 grand. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out what what that would really go for because it's an interesting looking bike. Yeah. I mean, I I always thought that they were good looking bikes, Um, but, but it was kind of polarizing within the Harley community. I mean, there were some people who, who thought it was the next greatest thing from Harley. Other people Mm -hmm. thought it was an abomination. So, um, but I think there probably are enough people out there who think these are pretty cool bikes that somebody would buy it. So, yeah, I I have a feeling that it it'll probably go for at least seventy five eight grand. Um, what they're asking for it, since it's at a dealer, especially, and well, it's got low miles. Um, I want to clarify. I don't know if it's a dealer. It's somebody who oh. sell buys and sells bikes. Ah, okay. <clears throat> they have well, they make they have many bikes. It's, it's a motorcycle sales business of some kind yeah um oh this is at allen's alley american motorcycles ah okay so yeah they're probably asking about 12 of it i would think all right and and john and jim what did you say yeah that's why i said 12 yeah Yeah. 10 to 12 grand what they're asking okay Uh, personally i i kind of dig the 
the first year V-Rod, I think it is, uh, and will be more collectible. <clears throat> they are asking the pricely sum of $6,900. We were close. Mm. Wow. Not bad. Yeah. yeah. And that, uh, the whole point of this, I, I want to show you guys that there are still deals. I mean, we were talking about, you know, Jim has uh, bikes he's, he's trying to sell, and they're worth a lot right now. We had a kid came down today on his CRF 250. It's very clean. He's kept kept it very clean. Um, and it, it's worth now what he paid for it brand new, uh, like, yep. like three years ago. Um, Which is just crazy. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about how crazy prices are, and I wanted to see how crazy they were. That's why I wanted to find some examples of crazy and not so crazy. But I'll tell you that V-Rod's actually pretty cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I was over at a motorcycle place in San Jose or Santa Clara, and um, they had a, a TTR 125 big wheel. It was, and it, you know, maybe it was 10 years old, something like that, clean. It was for sale for like $3,200. Wow. $125. I think I paid $14 for mine. Yeah. Doug said he paid about the same for his. Mm-hmm. Man. It, it, is, it is crazy. Um, but, you know, people want to get into writing and, and finding the deals in there. Um, that's why, you know, Jim, I hope that Logan um, – calls you because you're offered your bike up at a great deal he you guys he rode his crf 250 from walnut creek down here which is about an hour and a half ride on freeway and he avoided freeways wow yeah that is doable i have done that on a scooter before yeah it took him a few hours little dirt bike seat (laughs) (laughs) i know right yeah 17 i've done 17 on a 250 that's not fun either so um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is I wanted to share with everyone. I know some of you um, here on the show already kind of know what's going through my head, but I just wanted to share um, a, a kind of a struggle I'm going through. And Jim, maybe you relate a little more. Um, when I got the Africa Twin, I thought it was my forever bike. I really did. I loved it. That's why I went, you know, Got the Corbin seat with heat. I'm like, you know what? This is my forever bike. I might as well put all the nice stuff on it. Even if I'm not riding off road, it can be my touring bike. It can be my shopping bike. It can be everything. But I've just found that I'm less and less inclined to choose to ride it because it is so big. And, you know, when we go out and ride... We, we take a risk when we're out riding. And I don't feel I'm taking any more or less of a risk on that bike than any of my others. However, when I have to back it out of my garage um, through the dirt, uh, you know, driveway, my feet slip sometimes. And I've had visions of that thing toppling over on me. And it, I, I have to admit, I now for the first time in my life, a little intimidated by a bike. And I know a lot of other people have experienced this, especially short people, a lot of women. They get a bike that's too big for them or too tall and they just stop riding it. Um, and now I'm, I'm kind of experiencing that same thing, which is really weird for me. 
because I've never experienced it in my life. I'm a, I'm a tall person. I've never in my life had a bike I could not safely push around or even even on like my uh, 990 SMT, I can push that out of the garage while sitting on it, you know? So I, it's kind of weird going through this. So on the one hand, I'm um, relating to people like John who has trouble finding the right bikes and I'm getting a better understanding of what that is and what that means to have the right bike. And I'm not ready to give up on it yet. I love... I love the styling. I love the way it looks. And I love the DCT. I really do. But I thought to myself, if they actually come out with the 850 Africa Twin with DCT, I might be inclined to go for it. I mean, Jim, you have an Africa Twin too. And I mean, you were the same way when you first got yours. We both loved them. We were tooling around and going and riding on dirt roads. And I remember like sliding that rear end around and just woohoo and having fun and feeling like it felt so light once you're riding. Yeah. I, I still love mine. Um, <laughs> but you're right. It's a tall bike. Um, you know, and, and really it's kind of been my, it's turned into my touring bike. I think we've talked about this, mm-hmm. but you know, if it, three hours or less, I'll take the FC one. I love that bike, but you know, three to twelve, three to twelve hours. I'll take the Africa Twin because it's that much more comfortable, ergonomic. You know, has the power. But there's no doubt. There's a the hardest thing part about that bike is stopping and starting. And same thing, your feet sleep a little, slip a little. It's a tall bike. Um, it, you know, and it's like motorcycling is supposed to be fun. Sure, we mm-hmm. have our own shit and the heart starts pumping. But you should feel comfortable on your motorcycle and not worried about slipping and getting pinned under it. You know, just getting it out of the garage all the time. So. You know, we don't marry motorcycles necessarily. That's the beauty of it. So if you're not feeling it and it's not really getting you psyched every time to throw a leg over it, then absolutely look at different options. I think an 850, I mean, sitting on that Tenere was awesome. Um, you know, I've sat on the, the KTM, whatever it was, the 790. Those things are sweet. I mean, for you, Liza, it's going to basically be how do your legs feel. No, does it fit you, your legs yeah. work, all that. Um, Is the T7 any lower than the Africa Twin? I'm I think sure. it's 36 or 37 inches. I don't know. All I can say is sitting on the two, they're vastly different. Um, yeah. It's hard to say why, uh, but, you know, the like when I got on that, either the KTM or the Tenere, um, it just felt so nimble and small compared to the Africa Twin. It's just, Africa Twin is just a tall bike. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's a beauty of motorcycles. We can sell them and get another one. Yeah. You know? it's thir- 34.4 is a T7. Well, Liza, I, I have to say that that you're your your concern about about big bikes is something that that I share. So, are you saying that you want to ride a scooter now? I have a scooter, Bagel. Yeah. Right. Actually, it's but, the but, one thing but, I ride the most. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe maybe what you just need is a bigger scooter. Maybe uh, from Bergman, Liza. You <laughs> no. no. Maybe you need the Honda ADV 750, know, which right? is available yeah. with the DCT. Just to drive John crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that actually might be the rig for you, Liza. Dude. That's Seriously? true. Yeah. Ooh. How would it do on gravel? Would it, you think we could take it on gravel? Uh, I don't know. It all depends on how it's set up, but I imagine it's it's an adventure bike, so I imagine they have some some mode that would be good for gravel, right? 
It'll probably just <laughs> suck all around, but it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't it's think you Honda. Dab. It's not going to suck. You dab it all in it. <laughs> the, little, the little wheels. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know, but I'm <clears throat> I'm I'm uh, you know I, I'm just saying uh, I'm just sharing this um, what's going on in my head, which again is is new for me, and maybe a lot of people have experienced it. If you've experienced something like this, you know, been intimidated by a bike, um, email us, let us know, share your story. What bike? I'm just curious what bikes other people have been intimidated on. Like I remember I had a friend, um, she's a smaller woman, but, uh, or medium sized woman. And she's like, I want to get this triumph. Um, uh, one of the, the sport bikes. I'm like, yeah, I think it's going to be too tall for, you No, it'll be fine. And she went and got it. And then she rode it to the garage to show it off. And she pulled up to the garage and fell over. Oh, and I, and I, I told her, Here's what's going to happen. I told her before she bought it, it's going to be too big. You're going to fall over a couple times and then you're going to stop riding him. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. She rode it a couple times. I think she fell once or twice. She didn't get her foot down fast enough or it just got too heavy. And that's the thing with this. My feet are down. I mean, I'm flat footed on that bike, but it doesn't take much lean for that top heavy bike to go. And that's why, like we always joke I always announce like a tree falling. I'm going <laughs> because it starts pretty, it, uh, you know, it doesn't right. take much of a lean before I realize I don't got this. I got to just right. let it go. Yep. Right. And it's, it's one thing for a bike to be heavy. It's another thing for a bike to be heavy and top heavy Exactly. You know, because like the, um, what is it? The, the zero uh, SRF and, and the, uh, the Harley uh, Livewire, mm-hmm. those are those are heavy bikes. They're like 500-pound bikes, but they carry their weight very low. So they're actually pretty easy to handle. But the Africa Twin, it's way, way high. And and that that adds a whole different factor in stability and in, in trying to maneuver yeah. it. When, you know, and that's the beauty of the boxer things. motor, too, because the boxer keeps it everything low. Yeah. The one thing to play devil's advocate is, um, you know, we don't ride those bikes like we used to either. Like, so whenever right. we first got them, we jazzed and – did, you know, Jocelyn's class, you know, we were doing all sorts of crazy things on those bikes and they felt real comfortable. I know it's different. Like, you know, we're you're right. trying to push out of the parking spot and there's loose gravel. I've, that's like the hardest part. But I mean, just to say, you know, before you throw in a, you know, a towel, you know, maybe just spend more time riding it and everything else. You know, I, yeah, you know, I do what I need to say about it, it especially the Corbin seat. It, the seat's a little wider, which also right. brings it up a little bit. Right. Um, but you know, but I'm also talking to myself. It's like you know, these are non-durable skills that we don't practice. Yeah, and, and I'm not throwing it in yet. I'm just vocalizing kind of what's going on in my head, which is kind of weird. Um, we're gonna get to emails in a in a minute, but before that, I need you guys to talk amongst yourself because I have a cold, so I've been drinking a lot of water, and now I got to pee. So ah. <laughs> I'm gonna rely on you guys to entertain everyone for five minutes. All right, All right. go. <laughs> so Vega, let me ask you a question. Can you yeah. take the motorcycle test on a scooter? That depends on the 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 where you're getting your test taken. Um, <clears throat> if if you're doing it through the Motorcycle Safety Foundation, um, 
if they're offering a class with scooters, well, again, it, it may have changed also because in California, there's a new organization running it now. So I don't know right. what their restrictions are, but, but basically if, if they will let you bring your bike uh, to the range to, to ride and be tested on, then yes, it should be possible. Uh, or if they have scooters there that you can ride, then obviously it would be possible to do it there. Um, but it might be that that some of the motorcycle safety, safety programs only allow you to, to ride a motorcycle for your test. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, most of the state uh, given or state issued tests, as far as I know, you should be able to ride those on a scooter because it's registered as a motorcycle. You can take your test on, you know, right. on it. However I, just, you want. I just googled it right right quick and you're you're right bagel i think one of the caveats um was it has to be more than 150 cc's oh That's more than 150 that may that. be in california yeah because okay. or, or at least maybe more than 50 cc's because there there are two different levels of licenses there's the m1 and m2 and the m2 is for 50 cc's only uh the m1 is for everything Mm. So, so there is that restriction as well in California. So, I think if you take your test on a fifty in California, they're only going to give you an M two. Oh. I've, I've heard that happening before, and oh, then somebody didn't realize they did, they had a restricted license, so they couldn't ride anything above a fifty. Right. Well, that's good information. Yep. But but generally, it should be possible one way or another. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm back. How'd you guys do? That was the quickest P ever, by the way. Yeah, I'm impressed. I just yeah, I didn't even. I just well, I'd stand up, you know. I've, I've learned a lot from from you guys. <laughs> just shake it out; it's all good. Um, I, I I hope that was a little taste test because uh, in two weeks I'm leaving for Pakistan. You guys are going to be on your own for three weeks. Oh wow! Yeah, so hopefully you guys will talk amongst yourselves and come up with some things to talk about. Yeah. Though we do have one guest that we've been, uh, uh, that we have uh, we got to put on the calendar, and John uh, Douglas would really like to be a part of that interview as well. Great, cool. Bagel, just curious, do you wear earplugs when you ride? Nope, I don't wear earplugs. I listen to either music or podcasts in my head, my uh, the mm. sound system in my head, my uh, helmet. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I'm I'm getting very excited to go see our dear friend Moin over in Pakistan. And oh, that's so awesome. to anyone who has any concern, no, I'm not worried about the Taliban because that is in a different country. Yep. And we are very well taken care of in Pakistan. And if there was a threat at all, there would be a, a lot of intervention because they they track us there. In fact, you know what I'm looking forward to? Uh to to Enter Pakistan, you have to put an app on your phone for COVID, and they track you. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So that if there is any exposure, they know who's <clears throat> been exposed and can let you know. Yeah. All right. We've got some emails. And let's see. This one. Um, this one. Okay. Let's see if we can handle this. Um says, hey, Misfits, longtime listener and a big fan. Don't know if this will reach all, but I'm asking anyway. And uh, this is from, uh, I'm going to say Alaric. Alaric. 
in, hey, in the UK. Hello. Um, it says, I have a bit of a quandary. I'm in the market for a new bike. I'm currently selling my Harley XG750 to fund something a bit more height appropriate. I'm six foot three, and although the Harley mm. was fine when my commute was 20 minutes, I've recently moved further out, and I need something slightly more practical. <clears throat> I'm currently torn between a Versus 650 Great and bike. a V-Strom 650. I would like awesome the 1,000cc version of each bike, but can't afford those. Mm. I guess I'm asking you, um, what, what would you think would be better for a taller rider, and which is the better bike? My needs are mainly commuting to and from college, um, but I would like to get into more long-distance riding with a loose plan to ride to Barcelona from London in perhaps summer of 2022. From what I've read, the Versus is more what I want performance-wise, but the V-Strom seems to be more suited to the taller rider and better for long distance. Anyways, thanks for everything y'all do. It really helps me out in feeling more confident and just getting stuck and working things out on my own. So, um, so I was also interested in both bikes when they came out. I went and sat on both bikes. <clears throat> They're both very similar the reason I went with the um, Versus 650 over the V-Strom 650 is it actually has a shorter wheelbase. And a lot of the riding um, I was doing at the time was here in the hills, in the twisties. And a shorter wheelbase is much more flickable. It's just more responsive. <clears throat> but otherwise, they're both um, very good bikes. And uh, the Versus is a tall bike. Um, Jim, did you, you ever ride the Versus? I rode your Versus. Yeah. It, it, it was yeah, comfortable, right? It's under that Ninja motor in it, whatever it was, the twin. Yeah. Yep. I think both of them are great candidates. Um, and for a tall person, I think the V-Strom might be a little shorter is my recollection. The Versus just was a taller bike. Um, the Versus would, um, was more prone to wheeling off of a, a fast start because of that shorter wheelbase and it being a little bit taller, I believe. Um, I think it's going to be down to whatever um, price you find and what accessories. These are both bikes that can be highly accessorized. Um, the V-Strom tends to be more accessorized as an adventure bike. <clears throat> so you might have guards and, and luggage on it. Um, and maybe more likely to have a touring seat than on the Versus. Um, but they're both excellent bikes. It's interesting going from uh, Harley. So the XG750, I wonder if that is the Street 750. It is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <coughs> so The Harley that they wish everyone would forget about. <laughs> you guys want to throw in any other bikes? I'll do it for Emma. Uh, ooh, you should get a Bandit, darling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll throw one out there. I'm curious why he's not looking at this as the, the Triumph Scrambler. I mean, the 1200 specifically for a bigger rider, but that Triumph Scrambler 1200, cool looking motorcycle. Um, I was riding with, I can't remember the guy, the really handsome right. guy. What's his name? And um, he was a tall guy. He had to be 6'3". Uh, and he was like a lineman or something like that. And he had that 1200 Scrambler. We rode it up in the mountains and it he looked good on it. It's a cool bike. And it's a twin, so maybe that's something he jives with. 
You're right. There was somebody here yeah. with a Bonneville today, and he talked about um, <coughs> looking at the Scrambler, but it was too tall for him because he has shorter ends. He's a tall guy, but mm. just happens to have short legs. And he said mm. it was a little too tall for him. That is a tall hmm. bike and a very yeah. good-looking bike. However, price may be harder on that. The thing well, that a is- couple. <clears throat> you, you can't Japanese fuel injection. You know, the bikes he's right. looking at. And, and the thing, the bang for the buck on the V-Strom and the Versus, you cannot beat it. I think you should look at a uh, an MT-07 or an MT-09. <clears throat> um, I think the 07 would probably be in his price range, and that's, that's another great bike. I'm going to say no, what? but I'm going to... I'm going to couple on to that suggestion today and say instead an FJ09. Okay. Yeah. The FJ09, um, great engine. It's the same that's in the MT09, but this is just the, and again, it's, it's not a, it's not a real adventure bike. And that's the thing, the versus the V-Strom and the FJ, they're not real adventure bikes. They're upright, um, Upright street, more more dual sport. Or? Yeah, well, not really. I mean, no. not, it's the riding position more than the mm. riding uh, terrain. Um, is is that styling? Mm. But the FJ09 is a pretty cool bike too. If you can get one in the price, I would look at that as well. What you think, Bagel? Uh, well, I had another suggestion. Um, I, I don't know if this will this will fly, but uh, the Vespa V50. It's the smallest Vespa ever made. Uh, you will be horribly uncomfortable, but the amusement that you provide to everyone who sees you ride down the road will be priceless. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, thank you for your, your input on that. I couldn't resist. <laughs> I'll, I'll give one more plug for the V-Strom. I was in the dealer the other day picking up the Honda, and I saw the new ones, the new kind of you know, the way the new ones look. Mm-hmm. They look pretty good. Way yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Almost like some of the BMWs took, like that little beak front fender. Right. But mm-hmm. better, the new ones are the way schnobble. better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a good looking bike now. I mean, better than I thought it used to look. All right. And there, there's some good. Op- I think you can't go wrong. Any one of those bikes, you're going to have a blast on. They're fun to ride. They're affordable. And they're, they're really comfortable. So <clears throat> can't go wrong with mm-hmm. any of them. That Triumph Scrambler is a head turner. It's a beautiful bike. All right. So this yeah. is one uh, for all of us. This is a good question. And this mm-hmm. is from Jason. And he says, hey, Misfits, hope all is well and that you guys won't end up having to do the Zoom shows again. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Too Jason. late. That's <laughs> the best thing that ever happened. I got no pants on. <laughs> says, uh, so I've been listening a few years and I have a question for you. How the hell do you afford multiple bikes? I'm in Canada, and I want to own more than one so I can enjoy different types of riding, but insurance is insane. I have a six-year-old Vulcan and pay just under 200 bucks a month. Is it that oh. much cheaper in the U.S., or yeah. is there a trick? Yikes. Well, so I think it depends on the So 200 Canadian is what here? Yeah, but that's that's twenty well that's twenty four hundred dollars a year Canadian. For a that's bike. probably three grand. Yeah. So the answer is what, yes, what, there is a trick. I want to ask each of you. Um, do you have are all your bikes fully insured? Uh, what's it called? No, uh, collision, no. all that, right? 
If it gets stolen, well, if you crash it, is it insured? Just the one that's financed. Right. The the bikes the bikes that are running and I'm riding, I have more or less fully insured. I don't think I don't think I have comprehensive, but I've got pretty good liability and um you know, re- a bunch of the other mm-hmm. coverages. But um but yeah, I mean my my insurance is like well, granted, these are, these are scooters, but for for the big bikes, uh, 300 cc's, um, I think my insurance for the year is something like 150 bucks, maybe. Yeah, I and, think I'm paying 98 for three bikes. Wow. A month? Yeah. Hmm. Um, I don't know what I'm paying. I think I'm paying about three grand for, how many do I have, seven or Seven insured, I think. <clears throat> the fact that mm-hmm. I have to like insure the the excess seven fifty that gets pulled out once a year to ride is kind of malarkey, but it's well, it's current and, registration. So right, and the other the other thing too is that you can if if you have a bike that that is currently registered and and is is you know theoretically rideable, but you're not riding it, mm-hmm. you can drop the coverage to bare minimum liability too, That's, and that is and, the trick. That's exactly right. what I have. And, right. And that will you know, save you a good bit of money because that, that's the, that, that will at least keep, you, keep the bike registered. You can always bump it up later if mm-hmm. you're going to ride so that you have decent coverage while you're on the road and then take it off later when you put it back away. So I don't have comprehensive on any of my bikes. Mm-hmm. I'm just more worried about bodily injury and fucking other people's stuff up. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> that's it. And, if- and uninsured, underinsured too. Important. Yeah, yep. and if I wreck one of my bikes and damage it enough that it's like totaled or something, that's the least of my worries because I'm probably yeah. got like a broken leg or something, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I've just taken it on myself. It's my own responsibility to fix anything that I may damage. So even on the Africa Twin, which is worth like ten grand now, no, it's not insured um, for anything. Um, also. For many of my bikes, um, at least here, I'm able to claim a low mileage on them. Mm. I think I'm like some of my bikes, I do 100 miles a year. Right. Where they give you a discount for for not riding very many miles. Yeah. And in some places, like I I know in like, you know, the guys at Cleveland Moto talk about how they can get historical and it's really cheap. Or in some places you can get a parade. um, Mm parade insurance which basically just says i'm only taking this out for special occasions like parades or something yeah so there are different tricks in different places but for me and i think for most of us i'm paying the least amount i can uh to insure the bike but i'm insuring my body and other people's stuff yep is that would you guys think the same that's basically what i do yeah I mean, you can also, in a sense, self-insure. You do the minimum insurance, and then instead of that, you know, whatever money you're paying the insurance company, just throw it in a separate bank account. You know, what I mean? well, just, but but don't you need like like thirty grand in the the bank to do that? So, no, he's not saying do it officially. He's saying just do it. And yeah, just get yeah. the bare minimum coverage you need, you know, to keep it registered. And if you're going to like get into a big bodily injury thing, but just an alternative, you know, if you do, don't you know, pick some of the coverages. Instead of paying that to the insurance company, just put it in your bank account, you know, for bike replacement or whatever it might be. 
Yeah. And, and, and hope you don't need it for a while. I hope you don't need it, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, no, okay, I just made a payment. So I am paying $1,400 a year for seven bikes. There you go. <clears throat> and the, you know what is the most is my 990 SMT. And it's um, crazy, the rates, how they're different for different bikes. My Versus 650 yeah. is hardly anything. I think I was, I'm paying more for like the 250 scooter than I was the Versus. I don't understand. They've got some sort of algorithm about yeah. what things get claimed or cause or whatever. Right. It, it and all that, has to do, right, all has to do with how many claims are for that particular vehicle. Yeah, it has and nothing it, to do with me and my record. Right. And if there are a lot of people riding Honda 250 Elites getting in accidents, your rates are going to be higher for the 250 Elite than for, say, a Versus, where lots of people ride them and don't have accidents. You know, if it just happens to work out that way, then, yeah, the rates get set accordingly. But I think almost like half of it was for the SMT. Wow. Yeah, I think it was six times more than some of the other bikes. Well, yeah. KTM. (laughs) <laughs> yeah keep throwing keep throwing money yep you know <laughs> that goes for insurance too <laughs> <laughs> all right i uh, got another one here uh this one is from darren and he says <clears throat> uh this is darren in uh oh he's england he's on a u.s military base in england mm. so i don't have to mm-hmm. read it with an accent good Um, says, hi, all working away and listening to your early podcast recently listened to your first anniversary and, uh, the ones where Megan broke a bone in her wrist, where are, what's their current story for the founding early members, Megan, Douglas, Jake, Zoe, etc. Well, they're still around. Megan, uh, comes by the garage every now and then with her family and her, her, her baby, her, you know, her children. Um, and let's see, Douglas was here today working in the garage and actually he just texted me something. I don't know what he's saying. Um, oops. Technical difficulties. Yeah. He's, he's calling me. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Um, Mm. and Zoe moved away and Jake, she grew up and became a trained killer. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, but we've had so many people um, from the past, but that's one of the things so great is that everyone still stays in touch and comes back around, you know? Um, it, it is kind of like a weird, I mean, I, I don't want to say family, but community. And everyone knows that. I, I love it when people come and visit who we haven't seen in a while because they just know that they can just come back and drop in, even though it's been a couple of years since we've seen them, you know? Okay, cool. I got a I got a text from Megan um, yesterday, actually, because Jason, her husband, um, baby daddy, all that, uh, did some suspension flicking on my new dirt bike. But you know, it's funny seeing Megan because when Jake first started going to the garage, Megan was one of the people that took her under her mm-hmm. wing. It's interesting to see Megan now. She's got a kid. She's got another one on the way. Jake's off in the Navy doing her stuff. It's really cool to see the family grow up. You know, right. And then we get we got new younger people like Conrad who was here today. <clears throat> is that the? Is that no, he's he's actually Jake's age. Yeah, yeah, he was on the two stroke. All right, got another one. This one is from Casey. He says, "Hello, misfits and fuck knock." <laughs> <laughs> 
like Casey. <laughs> says, um, my question is about maintenance for my new to me 2019. How much maintenance can it be? Honda CB500F. Story goes, my first bike was an O2 883 Sportster. Great bike if you don't mind the weight and vibration. Uh, I did. So I sold it this year for a 2019 CB500F and I love it. You know, that's the same bike that Evan has out back in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So deal is I did all the maintenance and repairs on my Sportster, which was easy enough with YouTube and a manual. But with this new Honda, my spark plugs have disappeared. And there's fancy (laughs) sensors anywhere, everywhere. Do you have any advice before digging in? Um, Miles? It doesn't say miles, but uh, 2019. I don't don't think you have to worry about much for about 30 or 40,000 miles. Yeah. Oil and gas. Yeah, oil should be easy enough to change. Um, No, I love that you want to dig in, and that's something that we really encourage here. And just uh, I was working with Ryan today on his CBR, and we were having a, like, we had to take the exhaust off and the, the heat, uh, there's a heat shield underneath the seat. Like we, and he's like, I've never gone this deep into the bike. Like it made him nervous going that deep into the bike. And the further you get, the more like things are that you have to unplug. And then the more things we were finding in there, like, Oh, look at this cracked wire. Um, but once you dig in and do it, then it's not so hard the next time. It's the first time that is scary. Well, you know, I, I, I've seen a bunch of those bikes online, like people modify them. So there's a lot of things you can do to those bikes to make them yours, you know, make them look cool or whatever. I just saw one. It was a, like on a Transamerica trail page. Oh, really? Someone had outfitted it like, like about as dirt bikey as you could make. Oh, it, not that. It's not the X. The oh, F. okay. The yeah, F yeah. is the kind of upright sport bike that oh, the, the kid out back has. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those X's are really cool bikes. I, I am assuming it's the same motor, right? I'm sure it is. And also in the Rebel. Isn't, isn't there some bikes, I think I heard you say this before, Eliza, there's some bikes that you just like to let professionals work on. I know my Triumph, I feel that way. Where my KLR, I'll tear into, and my little bike for sure. But, but the Triumph, it's just complicated enough to where it's like, I'll let Emma deal with that one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I have been that way with bikes that do have a lot of sensors and yeah. actually really need you to pay attention to load torque, you know, torque ratings and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, getting in there to change out the spark plugs is intimidating, but the CB500F is still a simple bike. It's a modern, simple bike. Um, Just like, you know, um, Cooper, who had that $500 Ducati that he was like, I give up because just getting in, like just the, the clutch had like multiple different, or no, it was the fuel system multiple mm-hmm. different ports and junctions and things and hoses. And it was like really complicated. Um, you're not going to find that on this bike. It is still simple, but you do have to take more off on the modern bikes. You do have to take probably the tank off. It's scary at first, but once you do it, it becomes second nature. I think everyone remembers the first time they had to take something apart yeah. further than what they were really comfortable doing. And the best advice, don't try and work around it. I've been there and I see so many people in the garage who are like trying to get things to do a right angle to get in under there because they just don't want to take all the stuff off. Just take the stuff off. And and these days, yeah. it's almost like you can watch a video first of whatever it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. 
And if it looks like something that's beyond you, you know, that's a pretty new bike. You know, I mean, it's a lot of money, I mean, but take it to the shop, you know, don't feel bad that you can't do some of the stuff yourself. Um, you know, cause I've broken so much stuff, I, you know, and I used to feel like oh, I'm a loser if I can't kind of do it myself. Right. But then you realize how many people actually take their motorcycles to, to get professionally worked on, you know? So then I'm like, okay, maybe it's, you know, it's not so bad if, if something's so intimidating, but you know, with a new bike like that, man, I'm seriously like oil changes for 30 or 30,000 miles. Are good. Well, even like, yeah, he didn't say, he didn't say if there's a warranty or not. Also, I think that you got to take that into consideration. Yeah. Um, yeah, Emma always says that to me. It's like warranties. They're looking for every reason not to do a warranty claim. So, you know, uh, I mean, the difference is like on my Versus, um, an oil change was it took five minutes. It was very simple. It was very accessible. On my um, 990 KTM 990, there's three friggin' filters on two different sides of the bike. It becomes yeah. much more complicated, you know. Um, well, yeah. and spark plugs can too. I, I was going to do plugs in an air filter on my FC one you know, in line four. And I'm like, it shouldn't be that hard and get to the air filter under the tank. No problem. And I was starting to start looking at where the, the spark plugs are and you're like, Oh my God, I'm, you know, and that's when I just stopped, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Emma ended up doing it go down to her place, Yeah, but it was beyond me, you know And I'm like? Yeah. Specialty tools are real too. Sometimes they require certain, certain and tools that we can't get. That's the other caveat. You get to buy more tools because you may <laughs> find if the spark plugs are down in there, you need to buy an extension. You know, mm-hmm. socket extension and maybe a little, little magnetic flashlight, you know, stuff like that. Buying tools is fun. But the number one thing and what we all, I think we all agree on and recommend is buy a manual for your bike. Yep. Yeah. That's 100%. the bomb. I mean, Jim, you have your brand new bike and you were like, look at this manual. It shows you how to do everything. Yeah. Right? Especially on the newer bikes. You know, I think we're used to kind of the older stuff, which is simpler, like older cars. But the new bike, I mean, just to get the handguard off my CRF 450 was complicated. Just one of them. They yeah. weren't the same size <laughs> and they were like nothing I'd ever seen. And the book, I mean, like you thought I'd need a book to get a handguard off, but I did. And it made it really easy. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I would struggle all day. But the, wow. the new bikes are complicated. So that's the thing. Don't get an online manual. Get a real Get one. a real paper manual that you can have in front of you with go through it with your greasy hands, dog ear pages, make notes. That is, that's what works for me. Yep. And YouTube videos as well too. You know, I, for the first time when I did, um, I know I brag that I don't service the, the, the elite scooter, but I actually did get in there and do all the fluids in it. And oh, I good. had to use videos, YouTube videos to figure out how to get in there because the same thing, I'm like, oh my god, I got to take off so much of the body work, and then you like, I just need to take the back off. Nope. Then you got to take the the middle off. Well, nope. To get the middle off, you got to take the front off. And I'm like, geez, oh Pete. <laughs> yeah. So much of it had to come off just to get access, but it was worth it. <clears throat> yeah. So cool. Um, I think it's a great bike to wrench on. So just get into it. All right, we got one more. Let's see if we can help because he's asking Emma for help and she's not here. Oh, oh geez. Can Hello. we do this? Can we do this? Mm. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to have to work as a team. So this is from right. Jordan and he's got a 1977 KZ650. Hmm. Okay. I got a 1976 KZ400 and I'm not yeah. too far off. Okay. Um, clutch, starter clutch problem, 
Not sure, bike runs, but the kickstart is slipping and missing compression. And then can get compression and eventually will start up using a janky gas feeding system. When using electric start, it just makes a spinning noise like nothing is engaging, but will catch and start the bike just like the Kickstarter issue where it's missing, then, oh, there's the compression. Took clutch cover off. Don't know what we did, but now the Kickstarter has no feedback and can be freely moved up and down with no effort. Bike will run. Sounds good. Just can't find a starter or what the starter clutch problem could be. Or is this a problem with the hand clutch, not the starter clutch? All forums are saying a lot of different things. <clears throat> I'll do the work myself, what what I can do, but please help me. Oh boy. Mm. All right. So you got two different things. You got an electric starter. You got the Kickstarter. Um, it is not uh, uncommon for electric starters for the teeth to wear out and for it to just start slipping. And you just hear this. Mm. Ring! <laughs> Is it just yeah, or, or if it's got some broken teeth on the flywheel or yeah, you can have some you know. exactly some broken teeth on the flywheel depending upon where the starter lands. It might just yep. free spin, um, but the the kickstarter is a different thing, and that is going deeper into the engine. I know on my <clears throat> on my Honda that that one seventy five. Remember the kickstarter on that. Jim, that one, it, it was broken and I had to weld a new shaft in and really get into that bike. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure why that would be so loose. Oh, wait, Bagel, the, you may know. I, I have a thought. Mm -hmm. Is does the, does the kickstart rely on the clutch in order to turn the engine? Um, if the clutch is in, then usually a kickstarter won't work. Right. That's what I'm wondering if maybe the clutch is slipping and that's why it won't it won't mm. kick the engine over. I do think we're talking about two different things. Uh, the starter mm. clutch does sound or the the starter sounds like that might be uh, broken too. Right. No? I'm not talking about the starter. I'm talking about the, right. the kickstart. I know I'm saying if, if, I think there are two different things happening. Yeah. And yeah. on the kickstarter, it's my recollection that in there that there's a I'm going to say a triangular um cog Instead of it being a mm. full round cog, it's a triangular cog. Like a, a wedge. That, yeah, there aren't that will yeah. spin. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it sounds like something is stripped, but you are right. If it's if he's saying that um it acts like like it's uh let's see, electric start makes a spinning noise like nothing is engaging. That sounds like broken mm -hmm. tooth. Yeah. Uh broken teeth. That is not uncommon on on bikes. And you need to get into the engine on that one, pretty sure. Yeah. Um, or at least wherever the starter goes. Well, is. at least check the starter. I've had starters before that are that actually kind of shoot out into an engage, and the brushes were worn enough that it wasn't shooting out. The ben or the Bendix. Yeah. I think is what that yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Because if the Bendix is broken, it won't it won't actually kick out and engage the, the the gear on the flywheel. So I don't know if this is one of those, but mm -hmm. if you're hearing a spinning sound, something is uh, spinning but not catching. So you need to take the starter. Good news is taking starters off is really easy. There's just a cover, usually two screws, and remember that you have a, a hot wire going from the battery from the starter solenoid straight down there. 
Um, so I would disconnect the battery for, for till you get the starter out. Then you can have it out in your hand, and just, it's fun to hook it up to a battery and watch it. See it go. <laughs> you can test it, um, but you can try and get your finger in there where it's engaging and see if it's um, skipping. But so it took the clutch cover off. Don't know what we did, but now the Kickstarter has no feedback and can be freely moved up and down with no effort. I think that if it has what I recall from like my 175, and I know Emma would be able to answer this, but it's a little triangular cog. It can easily go past and not mm. be coming back in and engaging. Oh, like the return spring isn't mm-hmm. pulling it back? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. So it might be something as simple as a spring. Yeah. Um, but you should be able to take the side cover off and see that easily. Um, yeah, you should be able to get into that. There mm-hmm. should be an inner wall in there keeping the oil in the engine, right? I think that's usually on, uh, between the ca- the cover and the case. So pretty much, I don't know. Emma ain't here. <laughs> but, but yeah, I agree. It does sound like two separate issues for the electric and the kickstart. Yeah. And he, I think the kickstart might be the easier to fix. Um, but both of these things are things that are easy. That's again, going back to that era of bikes, they're really simple. You can take them apart and everything is mechanical and see how the pieces work. That's what, um, even though, you know, Cooper's Ducati is a newer bike, when his fuel pump wasn't working, I said, take it out. Let's take it apart. Let's see how it works. Let's understand how the pieces work. And it was kind of interesting. I have not seen a, a pump like that that was not electric. So hmm. get in there and open it up and see and try and understand the relationship between all the pieces. Yeah. I think that's I think that's kind of like the common theme here at the garage. Just get in there and try it. And I think so many people just need that little persuasion to do it, to get in there. And I know that's something that we help people with. So hopefully for many of these people and for maybe some who haven't emailed in, um, you know, take the advice uh, either from me and just dig in or from Jim and say, don't touch it. Take it to someone who knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> Well, you know what? You can take comfort when, like, um, it's already broken. You can't broke it anymore. So, you know that that's when it's like that is not true, Jim. That is oh, you can always oh, you can break it more. (laughs) Said the man who's broken bolts in the engine of the XR three fifty. You just need the right tool to break it more. (laughs) You definitely broke it more, Jim. That hey, that's why I went to quarter inch drive sockets. Ever since I went to quarter inch drive sockets. Life has gotten less stressful. Because you got gorilla hands. Nice. No, but I think, Jim, even though both 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 of us have bikes we prefer to take to mechanics, like my KTMs, I just take those in. It's though I did do the, the oil in it. Um you know, but we've also dug in and I think the best thing is to Dig in and try so you actually know what you're getting into before you abort mission. And the reason we take our bikes in is because we know (laughs) what we're getting into doing it, you know. And a lot of times it might be a lot easier than you expect. 
Well, it's also kind of your mentality. I mean, you know, some people really enjoy solving puzzles like that. Liza, you're like that. You would much rather just figure it out without the instructions because <laughs> yeah. brain works that way, right? I'm very much a linear thinker. I appreciate, you know, step-by-step step on how to do something. So I think a lot of just your personality, if you like to take motors apart and mess with them, then go for it. You know, if you're less inclined to do that, then you can do something different. There you go. I hope we help. And I hope Emma made it home safe. I don't know what happened to her. Um, but at least she has one less bike in her garage. True. Exactly. For now. Um, so I think that wraps it up. Uh, big thanks to everyone, especially again to all the listeners who came by today. That was mm-hmm. such a fun visit having people We're here. Listening. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. So come on by. Um, and, uh, yeah, because they're going to need some, some, uh, some, Extra fun while I'm gone, since I won't be here to liven things up. You know how the podcast is always better when you're not here, right? I Those are my favorite shows. I really enjoy it because it's all new to me. I get to be like everyone else and hear, hey, what are they going to talk about today? You know? You just got to remember to wrangle Emma in so she's not drooning and drooning on. Yeah, that's Bagel's job. Yeah, exactly. I'll do my best. <laughs> so um, big thanks to all of our listeners, our Patreon subscribers, um, and and uh, to, you know, just everyone out there. I hope that everyone is, is staying safe right now. Be careful out there. We went through this last year when I know, Jim, you and I kind of stopped riding for a bit because we were like, hospitals are full. It's not a good time to break your arm, you know? Um, yeah. But – just be careful. I think most important thing is our mental health. And for all of us, our motorcycles are the key to mental health. So get out there, ride, have fun, be safe, and, and, and get some wrenches. Dig in. Sound good? Yeah, all right. Great. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza. Bagel. Stumpy John. Thank you, Jim. And we're out of here. Cool. Oh. Cool.